Hello, and welcome again to Fat-Free Film. I'm your co-host, Joel Marshall. And I'm Kamala Lopez-Dawson, and we're sitting here at Raleigh Studios in Hollywood with Big Screen Entertainment, which is an independent production company. And I've known um, several of the people in the company for years, and they started out as actors and moved into film production, and it's very exciting because they've really taken the bull by the horns and stopped waiting around for other people to do things for them and made their own movies. So they are an inspiration to a lot of, to us certainly, and to I think a lot of our audience because they did it all from scratch. They didn't really have any sort of help setting it up. They had to figure it all out themselves. They had to learn it on the fly. And um, they're doing extremely well. So I'm going to let them each introduce themselves, starting with, on my left... David Zappone. I'm the president of the company. Michael Manasseri. I am senior vice president. And I'm the president of production. Who are you? Stephen... (laughs) No, everyone should know the sound of my voice. I'm Stephen Eckleberry. (laughs) Um, I'm Kimberly Cates. I'm the chairperson and CEO of the company. Great. So I know Kimberly and Michael um, from acting. They're both uh, really very talented actors, and they've worked a lot. Um, Tell us, Kimberly, how did this all come to be? How did you decide to move to expand what you do from acting into film production? Well, I started writing scripts about 10 years ago because I was like a lot of actors, um, wanting to create my own material, find something that I really felt highlighted the best parts of my acting and so forth. So you write your own material a lot of times for that. So I started writing. Then I thought I'll get into producing. I was very close friends with a number of people who were producing and encouraged me to go that direction. Um, Some very successful producers. So I started about 10 years ago just finding out about it. It takes a long time, as you know, just to get your feet on the other side of the camera. And that's what I started doing. Then I um, hooked up with Michael in class, where we started creating things together, doing plays. We did Romeo and Juliet. We had worked, as you know, we worked together a lot on different things and encouraged him to start writing. He kept encouraging my producing. We formed a company. We did something um, experimental, a TV pilot about five or six years ago. And it's just been growing. I've known Stephen... Stephen and I have worked together when I was acting. He was post-production supervisor on a movie that I did. And then he hired me as an actress on one of his directorial debuts. Um, so I just, these are people that I've known for a while. And, but it's just been a process of, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of being effect as an actor and waiting for the, somebody to call me or waiting for this. And, and you just feel so emotionally like you're on a roller coaster a lot of times. And I am not that kind of person. I like to control things. I like to uh, stay busy. And so it was just, that's how the process started. And mm-hmm. keep creating, too. Keep creating. That was like my whole thing was just keep creating, keep creating. Hopefully one day it'll turn into some sort of uh, actual production. You hope that you will, you know, but it does take a lot of time. It does, but I... I Somebody told me, um, Martin Scorsese saw me in my work when I was very young, and he told me that the biggest thing in this business is to have persistence. And that is something I always remember and I always take with me, is being persistent. 
That's great. Mm -hmm. So um, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you um, have and how you started with your first film, um, how you raised the financing, I think is probably going to be a question that a lot of people really want to know. Well, uh, let's see. I, I came into this company sort of by accident. Uh, I think all of us kind of did, really. Uh, I was... Um, I've been an editor and a post supervisor for years. I worked on a bunch of indie films, uh, for example, as a post supervisor in Buffalo '66. And um, anyway, I had directed this film with Kimberly, and she said, "Well, why don't you come and work on this film? Forget about it. This uh, c you know, comedy I'm doing with Burt Reynolds, Raquel Welsh, and uh, edit it, and maybe you can figure out the music." And so I just started. I just jumped in and started working on it, and uh, and. She, at that point, was starting to run the company because the guy involved moved on to another company. And she said, well, why don't you work with me and be in the company? I said, okay, fine. You know, and suddenly I was part of this company, you know. And then I said, hey, by the way, I have a script that I wrote, <laughs> which was The Mirror. And uh, Kimberly said, well, you know, that's an idea, possibly. And, you know, that was, I uh, joined the company, what, October, November 2004. Mm -hmm. And we shot... The Mirror in February of 2006. So, wow. and you know, we're wrapping it up now. Meantime, meanwhile, we did a whole bunch of other stuff. We didn't answer her question about oh. the financing, though. Yeah, financing. Well, I think that's more of a Dave thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I blame it on Dave. I blame Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're unique, I think, for a production company in that we're a public company. So we have the option of raising money through stock and private placements. And private placements, yes. So that's kind of how forget about it was finance was through the sale of stock. But I think more with the mirror, it was on our track record. We were able to show people the kinds of things we've we produced and brought in investors based on that. I think uh, it would be right. the... And that's how... Yeah. Um, and then, um, because we've had some tremendous uh, adversity in this company, I won't go into details, but it has been a challenge on a number of levels, particularly legally. But we have really overcome a lot. And why we were battling certain things legally... Most people probably would not have done this insane, um, <laughs> the insane endeavor we took on, which was, let's produce another movie in the middle of all of this, because I just wanted to create. I don't want people to be stuck in the muck of just legal problems, because you can just get devastated, right? Become introverted and depressed, and let's just make another movie. So that's when we got the money together. People had saw that, okay, they'd seen our past work, as Dave right. said. So we raised the money. We put in, the company put in a lot of the money. Then we had independent investors who put in the money. We filmed The Mirror. That led to meeting this wonderful group of investors that we have um, that are now just our angel investors pretty We've much. Been watching our been watching, been watching our stock, yeah. been watching the company for a while. They love the, the concept of The Mirror, love Kelly LeBrock came aboard and financed our last picture, which was a pretty decent-sized budget. And that was just strictly off watching a track record of doing the right thing and having people observe us and study. And, and also, one of the, I think, the most brilliant things that Kimberly did was institute a, a website with an investor's forum so uh, the investors could actually interact with the management of the company and feel like they're part of the growth. And I think that's why our, these angel investors, as we call them, came in. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. yeah. How does that work, just um, as far as a forum where they can interact? How do they interact? Well, it's very – I mean, Kimberly, you want to explain it. It's a message board, yeah. Support. And we monitor it regularly. 
and, and, and respond. And that, and that again, that's one of the special things about this company, and even what Kimberly has done in creating such goodwill with our investors. And and like Dave said, how we're to a degree, especially for an independent company in Hollywood, we're we're, we're different in that we we really have an entry into the business community and the investment community, um, where people can really see what we're doing. And Kimberly has just opened up; she's created this avenue where people that don't know anything about films, and that's actually even what you guys do with this to a degree, who people want to learn about film, but they're not involved. They have nothing to do with the film industry, but now they have a forum where they can listen to independent filmmakers and, and learn things. She provided that for just a lot of future possible shareholders because people get excited about Hollywood. They do, you know, in, in, in independent filmmaking, you always hear stories about how people are going, you know, oh, I found a group of doctors, I found a group of lawyers, and they want to make movies, and they want to... But so many times... Obviously, people get burned and people get lied to, and um, so there's there's a lot of distrust. And but basically, what she's been able to do through the message board, and through just being incredibly open to open, right. our shareholders, um, is to just to really give them honest information on what is going on and how we can do this. And and also, like Dave said, because we're we're a publicly traded company, there are, there's just numerous options on. Really protecting people, on protecting investors, on protecting shareholders. At they, whatever deals that Kimberly and Dave structure with people, they don't. They're not just involved. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're solely involved in a film. Other times, you know, there's just there's different ways. I mean, they're vested in our company. They have faith in us, and it's incredibly important. And I think it's hugely important. I have. I do know someone who is an investor and invested in a film. Um, and is is frustrated with the way they are marketing it and and has suggestions and things and he has you know would call me and 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 say you know I'm confused about this asking questions about it. because I think the communication between him and the company it's gone wrong somehow and I think this what you're talking about is a really really great thing and I think that honesty towards investors and that kind of communication seems like it has to be implemented very firmly it's amazing it's amazing how um there was people that I worked with before who did not have that same uh, way of thinking and I just always believe that communication is the universal solvent and with communication you can have understanding and without understanding you have nothing so if people understand and I also felt it was important for people who didn't know anything about the film business to explain the terminology of, from the very basic of what development is of what developing a film is, of what pre-production. So even how our website is set up is it explains all of the terminology that goes into filmmaking. Um, so yeah, so that's, that is absolutely correct. That people need to understand what they're doing. And now with the different avenues of ways of profiting from films is opening up more and more. Even, Stephen, with this article that you gave us, what is this, the big pictures, right, talking about... Well, in New York right now. Talking about the video iPod and all of these different avenues of making money, there's it is a great time for investors to get involved in filmmaking if it's the right project, if it's yeah. commercially viable, and so forth. You can have an independent film be commercially viable; they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Exactly. I, I feel. I mean, just me personally, I feel a little bit lost though because the way that I've always understood that films are made, and 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 I would really appreciate being taught otherwise is you form a limited liability corporation, mm -hmm. you get private investors to give you money for that corporation, that corporation serves as the sort of 
um, shell entity that will persist forever, um, while the Umbrella Production Company will have several of these LLCs for each film. Um, I I had no I have no understanding of how a small company becomes a publicly traded company and how. Why is it? Why aren't all? I mean, I don't really understand what that means. Well, I guess it's a you, lot you of hate. work. Well, this was, well, it's this was a lot a of work. Previous company before that had a merge. You can explain that the merger and so right. forth. Before Kimberly basically um, was given the reins of the company because somebody else left, it was a public entity. Okay. So, um, so basically, you know, I mean, it was already a public entity before before we came on. Um, but in terms of becoming a public entity, it's, there's a, I mean, look, anyone can, you can turn a private company into a public company. You can certainly do it. It, uh, costs a ton of money <laughs> and it's a really complicated process. A lot of regulations. A lot of regulations yep. dealing with the SEC, making sure that, you know, if you miss step three and you're on step 10, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> so, um... And, and and in terms of even being a public company, there are levels of public companies. And when you go public, you want to make sure that you're popular enough that it's going to bring in a bunch of revenue because people you well, know, you your shares. Make, you have to make yourself. You have to have. Let me move that trash can for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sound man's running into the trash can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to have a lot of marketing and publicity, and you have to have public relations, or in in this case, investor relations. Um, and that's just the way it works. You gradually, we become more and more known. We have an excellent shareholder base right now, and all of our all of our shareholders seem to be increasing their positions and believing in the company more and more. We're branching out into a big game division. We have some um, really excellent progress in our whole game division, which will. You mean like video games? Or? I'm talking computer yeah, games. computer games, computer games? MMO games. Mm-hmm. Massively, uh, what is it? Multi-massive online, online, online yeah, um, right. role-playing games, and we also have casual games. We're we're working with the company out of Romania, Neurosoft, and they are developing. So all of our films will also have games, casual games with them, as a marketing tool. Yes, it'll bring in revenue, but it's also a marketing tool because we have to get very creative. What are you saying, Stephen? I'm just saying. I just, I, you know, I, hey, we haven't thought of a game for the mirror. We've got to make one. That's right. You no, know, the mirror game could be great because we could bring all the old Hollywood oh, stuff into right. it, and that could be yeah. excellent. We have Very to think of a concept for that. Yeah, right. oh, yeah absolutely. So, absolutely. You're, you're 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 witnessing the birth of a concept <laughs> yes. right yes. here. This is history is made today. <laughs> I love it. Um, so. There's obviously some kind of connection between video games or computer games mm-hmm. and film now. Apparently, that's a, as big or bigger market than the film industry is, is right it now. It is, and yeah. I think that if if films want to be successful, they're going to have to. I mean, they're doing it more and more. All the stu- the studios have been doing it for a while, but I think even more independent films are going to uh, definitely need to branch out into this area. And I, th- I think a lot of them are, but we are working with a top-notch game company, and they. Uh, there's going to be a lot of news on this very soon about what's happening. But um, anyway, now, so, Kimberly, yes. you are obviously very knowledgeable a lot about a lot of different areas here. How did you educate yourself uh, in this? In let's say in finance, business finance. Uh, you know, because a lot of us are artists, and maybe we're not as strong in the business side as we would like to be. How do you how do you find out about that stuff? Uh well, I did go to school. 
But that was... It's did you go to business school? No, I did not. I was pre-med in school. Mm-hmm. I, I had some business as a minor, but I really just picked it up through learning, dare I say, ex-boyfriends. But yes, that's pretty much how I learned it. And I, it's, I, I'm a quick study. I just, this was, it's not rocket science, this stuff. It's really, if you can make a movie, you can learn this. It's not that difficult. What about the idea of um, foreign financing? This always seems like a total um, black art to me. Um, bringing in fi- financing from different countries and tax credits and different f- shooting in different states and these mm-hmm. kind of things. This is where it seems like, where do you find out information about that kind of stuff? Um, well, we're, we've been talking about that because we're thinking about shooting in Louisiana and you, just the research. Film the film commissions yeah, help yeah. us research. You get the documents on it. You start reading it. For us, for me, I talk to my lawyers about it. Mm-hmm. We just discuss the different options. Uh, Dave and I go over it just point by point. We break it down. We get a clear understanding. We have a dictionary standing by if necessary. It's it's really not it's not that complicated. If you well, just what it has to boil down to is that the tax credit has to save you more money than the expense of going on location. That's really what we you have to yeah. analyze. You have to weigh it out. Yeah. We, we don't, here. Yeah, because mm-hmm. LA, obviously, everything logistically, it's much easier to shoot here. So, yeah. but it is much more expensive yes. in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's, it's much more convenient, though. I mean, you know, we were shooting way out of town, close to the border of Oregon. and uh, On the, the, this last project, Babysitter Wanted, Babysitter Wanted which yeah. we just completed we at the just, end of November. What's it called? Babysitter Wanted. It's a horror film, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> directed I saw the, by Michael. Yes. Directed by Michael Manassari. Right. I saw the Babysitter's, I think, leg on the poster, and she wasn't looking too well. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's, in, she's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyway, to get dailies, we had to ship oh, stuff yeah. down to L.A., and then they would ship stuff back, and it's it's a hassle. And then, of course, you know, you, you there's certain things you get used to being in L.A., like, for example, getting on a computer. I mean, the Internet it was yeah. horrible. Getting We couldn't find a decent cell Internet connection. Signal. Yeah. So you yeah. Cell phone signals. I mean, it's, it's a pain in the ass to be on location. I mean, there are great advantages because you've got uh, local people. Walmart is the biggest advantage. Absolutely. <laughs> the scenery. should discuss the I mean, scenery the main, of this film. Uh, yeah. yeah and, and then the character you've got people who are not jaded, who are excited about working in films and you know want to help out with their locations. And we you're got, helping out the local community at the same time. Yeah. And they're and just thrilled that you're there. And they open up the doors to... Uh, the, the police department was fantastic right. with us. They The location cost, what we the got hospital. for location cost was just unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, we got the... Best locations for we, almost no yeah, money yeah. at all. We shot. I mean, we we you know we shot in the police chief's office wow. because we basically walked in and said, you know, we're coming to town, we're making a movie, and he's like, oh, okay. yeah, and I hadn't basically said, well, there's a scene in the police station, and he's, he just, yeah, you, can, you can shoot here. They give so. us cop cars to use, great cop cops. cars, cops, <laughs> <laughs> driving cop cars. Cops. Like, you know, I need a cop car to uh, come, you know, flying down the street at 80 miles an hour and skid. All right, let's do it. <laughs> we got an entire wing of a hospital to use. <laughs> they're like, go ahead. Yeah. It's a working hospital. Yeah. I mean, so you know, there's... They were happy to be a part of the process. Those are the upside. But what happens if, you know, there's some weather problems and your actor has to come a couple days later? You have to change the tickets. You can't buy tickets in advance. You have to buy tickets right. at the top price. And sometimes you have to fly actors back because it's cheaper to fly them back. So you're paying for all these airfares. Right. And then transportation is a nightmare. Getting people Fuel costs. Oh. Yeah, the fuel costs are unbelievable. And yeah. then yeah. as far as equipment goes, is it difficult? 
you have to bring all your equipment? We brought we, most we, of it up. We brought most of it up. There's some great. There's a great film community in Oregon, mm-hmm. and so it's not too far. Portland had some great facilities. We got a lot of our electric and our grip out of out of Oregon, out of Portland, out of Ashland. And most um, of our crew. Most of our most yeah. of our crew. The main. Um, I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. But but again, you know, if your Panavision zoom lens breaks, which it did, you <laughs> you know you are you know okay. There's a Panavision in Portland, but what if they what if they don't have it? <laughs> because there's 19 productions going on in Portland, and Gus Van Sant maybe has all the cameras. No offense to Gus Van Sant. It's wonderful, but maybe I need a camera. So, I mean, but dealing with those issues is... That, I mean, that's that's what you're weighing constantly. But, the, you know, the film is... It is beautiful. The scenery is beautiful. We, we could not have gotten those things trying to jerry-rig stuff here in Los Angeles. You know, the, the, the barn that we filmed in or the, the house that we filmed in from the 1880s, it's... You know, you, they have, it's they it's all. Been a film there. Stand by me did some filming up there. That was mm-hmm. the last film that they had, and the uh, we filmed in Weed, Lake mm-hmm. Shastina, Wairika, Montague, and they had never had film up there. So it was really it was it was wonderful to go to this untarnished mentality and work with these people who were so excited to have us there. So. It was, yeah. So what mm-hmm. would you, Dave, estimate that you say, what were, were, you were talking about that ratio, what kind of a budget savings or deficit did you end well, up with? It doesn't so much apply in this case because we really didn't have the tax credit situation because we still shot in California. But she's asking probably how much did we save like versus, the, I, I would say that we saved about $200,000. Oh, yeah, shooting yeah. as opposed to shooting in Los Angeles. Yes, yeah. about yeah. two to three hundred thousand because of the different locations that we got, the right. different yeah. um, deals we were able to structure. Yeah. They're, they're, they're intangibles like location. I mean, you know, you have a, a barn that, that is a real barn from the 1850s. I mean, where are we going to find that in LA? I mean, are we going to drive out to Oxnard maybe? Yeah, and, uh, you know. And again, it's certainly this is for this particular film and this this, this you know this dialogue. It's certainly not an anti-Los Angeles dialogue. I mean, we'd. Love to shoot certain films in Los Angeles. The, the mirror was shot yeah. here. Shot the mirror in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and Dirty Love. Yeah, yeah. and Dirty Love. Um, but it's, uh, you know, just for, for what this particular film needed um, and how Kimberly and Dave worked out, you know, the, the deals, the deals with the actors and the investors and everything, they were certainly able to save a significant amount of money. And another thing that even happened on this film, just on a, on a new subject, uh, you know, you always hear about these happy accidents. Um, and just like possible, unbelievable nightmare situations that could destroy a project. Um, and if you have the right people with the right attitude working the right way, it can just actually become a miraculous little event for the film. Uh, and we were we were going to shoot Babysitter Wanted on high def. We were going to use the the Sony 950, Sony 900. Great, great digital cameras. Really terrific digital cameras. And we had planned for, you know, our month and a half of prep. These are the cameras we're using. You I, know. Was, I was just about to buy all of the mm-hmm. HD tapes. Right. Just about ready to buy them. Right. Ooh, about two weeks and before? No. 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 Two, about days. Weeks. two days. Two days. Two days. So, two so, days. So, we, uh, so I'm up on location. These guys hadn't come out yet because they were dealing with, you know, they were dealing with other projects down here. They right. couldn't come up. So I was up there with another associate of ours, Rosalind Hornsby. Um, basically, you know, prepping everything and hiring locations and doing all that stuff, as well as, you know, because I was direct, I was the director on the film, dealing with all that, and um, and so I get a phone call. Actually, no, our DP, director of photography, whose name is Alex Vendler, who's a 
will be a huge director of photography someday. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. Um, but he had a very key has a special, really good relationship with Panavision. So we're getting our cameras from Panavision, our lenses from Panavision, all this stuff. Um, he gets a phone call. He gets a phone call about three days before from Panavision dealing with this person there, um, and they say slight problem with the uh, with the cameras. We don't have any left. <laughs> and we're sitting there, we're going, you know, we're going. Okay, wait a minute. You're Panavision. You're the biggest supplier of cameras in the world. <laughs> You have no so, HD cameras. Well, yeah, there's, there was some Paramount show. The, the camera broke down, and like, you know, the, the, you know basically, if you're a small film, the big guys get it first. And we I mean, we would do the same thing in their position. So, they got to, you know, you know, we, we were, were getting, screwed. we were, we were getting, yeah. So I'm just sitting up in, you know, in Weed, California, at a diner <laughs> with my with my DP, and I'm just going, "You're not telling me this? What? What?" So there, so now Stephen and Dave and Kimberly are uh, down here, oh, oh, and wait. he's making phone calls. Oh, I, I called like eleven. I was calling Chicago, uh, San Francisco, Oregon, and they, any, were, and they were trying to hide it from me because they always try to hide everything. These are <laughs> these are like my three sons who hide everything into the last minute, and then they came to tell me. So she calls me and she goes, "So what's going on with the cameras?" <laughs> and then about twelve oh, hours wow. later, I, I was up there and. Um, Kimberly called me and she said so what would be you think the the financial difference and also the advantages and disadvantages of shooting on film and of course as a director or a a first time director I'm basically my mouth my you know my jaw just dropped because I would like nothing better than to shoot on 35 millimeter film I mean it's for every single reason in the world it's just you make a movie that's to me it's really how you want to make a movie and so I'm just sitting there, you know, tap dancing, going, well, uh, you know, I think it's a really lovely idea. But I gave, um, I, I put the DP on the phone with Kimberly, and they spoke for like half an hour. And by the time that the DP gave me the phone back, she said, okay, we're shooting on film. <laughs> I, I did the number crunching because, you know, I'm a post guy for years and years and years. And I realized that what, what costs a lot of money in film these days is the post process you do, doing a DI. But if you go and cut negative, yeah, sorry, yeah. di I mean digital intermediate. In other words, what happens is people shoot the film and they take every single shot and they put it into a computer. That costs a lot of money. Um, it costs like fifty cents a frame. You know, a lot of frames, twenty-four frames a second, ninety minutes. Um, you mean onlining? You mean at the end? This is no. not onlining. No, no, this is kind of like it's like the film version of onlining, and all the big studios are doing it, and they love it because they can get into a computer, and if the the sky, you want to change the color of the sky, but you don't don't want to change the color of the person's face, you can get really intricate, and you can you can films are actually looking kind of unnatural, frankly. It's almost like Adobe Photoshop. Yes, it's Adobe Photoshop for the entire movie. Right. But this is what they are doing with film. Right. So they're okay. Okay. Right. It. Exactly. So that's that's a, that's a really good analogy. Uh, so films are looking beautiful, but slightly unnatural because of this DI process, digital intermediate. I said, well, let's just go back to the old-fashioned negative cutting. And so we crunched the numbers, and it actually was amazingly uh, a small difference between the price of shooting HD and shooting film. It was like fifty thousand dollars without the digital intermediate. right? If you didn't use the digital intermediate, right? And also we had to. But you went. You're. You were always going to go back to out to thirty-five. So that was in your original digital budget. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. That, that is true. That HD. Yes. But if you if you compare 
going to film through HD and going through film through negative cutting and shooting on film. Of course, you cannot shoot as much footage. You got to be a little more careful. And uh, we. Although the gaffers won't say, the gaffers try to argue with me right. that they say, oh no, the HD lighting setup is the same. I don't think so. I think the setup for digital um, lighting is much faster than film. It just is. It it, 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 it depends, depends on interior, yeah. exterior, it, like, interiors. Yeah, yes, but exterior. Uh, you know, the, the the thing is about film. The wonderful thing about film, and it's strange because we're we've been digital people and we love digital, but we're actually doing a contrarian thing. We're going against the tide of everyone else because you know what? It's cheaper to shoot film. By the way, Panavision jumped in and said, "Oh, you want to shoot film? Oh, well, hey, here." They gave us a great package. They they, they, they felt so wonderful. they felt so yeah, guilty. They gave, they gave us like package. they gave us a platinum. They gave us uh, they gave us a. Uh, we got two platinum cameras. We got two digi zoom, zooms and all these little tiny pieces of equipment which are amazing. Like there's a thing called a slider, where if you want to like quickly dolly from one face to another. You don't have to set up a dolly track. You just slide the camera on this little slider. Yeah, so like you a get, 36 inch, so I can just go. You can just, just these, like li- that. these little moves. That's my sound effect when I do it too. I go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no. Anyway, getting back. I'm sorry. Sorry. So, um, so then we also we we're lucky to find that Kodak had. Um, I was going to say because stock, stock is expensive. What is well, it? 40, we, 50 cents a foot. Stephen, no. Stephen and I, before Dave and Michael were involved, Stephen and I were going to form our own little. Uh, our own little LLC called Scrapper Films because Stephen and I get the best deals together. Right. But he is the ultimate scrapper. <laughs> so he got a great deal with the, the film. And when right. you yeah. say stock, you mean the so, film. Film stock. The, the film stock. And, and, it's and, usually, yes, it's yes, 50, and, 50 cents. And every few years, Kodak upgrades its stock. They have some new developments in their film and it's slightly better. But uh, I think at the end of last year, they stopped using this one particular kind of stock and uh, so they sell it cheap and we got to, we were able to sell we bought from third third party uh, uh, sellers yeah I don't uh, think that we paid over 30 cents for it did we no there was a couple of rolls at 40 cents a foot it's like a thousand foot roll 10 minutes um, anyway oh, but were they short ends or they were no short ends with some short ends no most of them were full rolls most of them were full yeah, yeah full most of them were full mags mm-hmm. but there were 10 to 15 short ends maybe yeah. so I mean, you know, the thing is, the other thing... How many feet did you buy? We bought 125,000 feet. Yeah. But we didn't use that. It was the first time in the, that mm-hmm. Alex Vindler said, there's no way you're going to shoot this movie for under 100,000 feet. And I said, yes, we are. He says, I've never done it. It's unheard of. I said, well, we're going to. And we did. 95,000 feet is what we did it for. That's what we're hearing. <laughs> That's what we heard with the intervention, too. They shot less film yeah. than they expected to. And they came up with some... So we have a lot of extra film now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of extra film. Well, well, we're gonna use we're gonna use it. You know, in case we, you know, we, it's always nice. It's like insurance in case we need to do reshoots and like we want to enhance some part of the story. We have the freedom to do so. You know, it's sitting in my fridge. I have a special fridge dedicated to film. <laughs> <laughs> it's what, everybody else has beer in the garage account. fridge. I have film. But I have to say, the one excellent thing is that our investors, when I explain to them the difference between shooting on HD and film and the quality of this project, the script is an excellent. I mean, it's it's this film. Need, this needed to be shot on film, in my opinion. And I explained it to our investors, who this is their first movie, but they understood, and they jumped aboard and they put in all the extra money, which was several hundred thousand dollars extra to be able to shoot on film comfortably, because we also extended our shoot for a week. And they were fantastic. I just have to, if they listen to this, validate them. Robert, Tony, and Richard, thank you very much. 
A little shout out to Carlos too. Yes, yeah. Carlos. A shout out to Carlos. Carlos. So that, that one thing that uh, comes up sometimes when people talk about shooting on digital versus film is they say with a digital camera you can just let the thing run all day and shoot all, as much as you want. That's true. I think that's true, except in the post production. Justin and I were talking about this. All of a sudden, in post production, now you have so much yeah, stuff to capture and so much yeah. stuff to go over. I mean, doesn't that manpower seem like? Man and yes. woman power doesn't that it seem is. like that would be? It, it, it can be horrifying. <laughs> I mean, it could just—it's so because it, it's so tedious. I mean, the editing process, post process is, is is incredible. It's a wonderful thing, but there's also just a lot of tedium. I mean, when you're batch capturing, when you're digitizing, when you're actually putting those takes or going from that digital tape into the computer, and you know, and if you're Look, if you have 14 assistant editors and they're sitting around and they can just do it and you can go play a couple rounds of golf and come back, great. But if not, you know, you're the few people sitting there going, That's right. you know, there's your end point, there's your out point. You're just there all day, you're basically just pressing buttons. And I think it also is a little, it also sort of adds to a cer- certain sloppiness in the, in the, uh, the whole production. Because, I mean, we were doing these little tiny movies for the internet little um what were they called mobisodes we were doing mobisodes and we shot i mean i literally edited this thing for 300 hours oh my god and the things that were like a minute long it was <laughs> ridiculous That's and right. i decided and when we actually we talked to peter bogdanovich about this and he said he never shoots any coverage that he that he plans out exactly how the scene's going to play, and if on this line you're in a close-up, he only shoots it as a close-up. He doesn't run a whole master and run two close-ups he and run two. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. he has a rough cut in two weeks. He says, "I like that kind of discipline." You know, sometimes when you don't have a lot to work with, you have to get be, you have to become very creative. And I, it's like it's like cooking. You don't have a lot in your cupboard, but you come up with the best meal. And I think that applies to this as well. When you have a very limited amount that you're shooting, you become more creative. And the editing process, there's a cleaner, more disciplined feel to it. And the film, it feels more like a film, like an old classic film, because it's so crisp. And I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's what Babysitter's like. I can't say that about all of our other films, but Babysitter in particular, I think we've had a learning curve in this company. And where we got with Babysitter now is is where I hope to be headed in our future projects. Yeah. Well, right. well, certainly with in terms of the discipline that you're saying, and as a director, also I co-directed this movie. The, the writer, Jonas Barnes, we, we co-directed the film. Um, so I definitely want to say, say that. Uh, but also... As a, the director, a director, um, knowing that we were now going to film and knowing the extra expense and also being a part of the company. I mean, I, I'm not really a director for hire. I'm part of this company, so and I'm a producer on the film. So there is a huge financial responsibility. And in terms of discipline, you know, first of all, I had these three on me just like, don't shoot extra footage! I, I, don't I shoot was, extra... Sorry. I, I was telling Michael uh, to say, and action... The words and action that costs you a dollar fifty. Okay, <laughs> that's um, how much it costs per foot. But there's a real, but but in, what, in terms of what you were saying, it's it, you learn actually when you start post that it is not sloppy, like you just said, because I mean I, we probably averaged three takes max, and we were fortunate enough that um, our casting director, Ivy Eisenberg, but also, you know, in the preliminary casting for this, we all did the casting. And Kimberly and Dave, they're, they're in excellent casting. We were fortunate enough to have remarkably talented cast 
that, I mean, especially Sarah Thompson who plays the lead, she she was ready on take one. And I and I always gave her more than one take. I mean, always. There was never, I was like, oh, we've got to move on, one take. But if impossible, if it was another actress who, I don't know, had issues, had whatever, we could not afford to do seven takes. We could not afford to do that. Um, so, you know, the, everybody's discipline went in. And, you know, and when you're sitting there in the post process and you actually only have two or three takes to choose from, but it's everything you want, it's it's clean, it's simple, um, and yes, and it is much easier than, than looking at 500 hours of footage because you had the luxury of a tape. Yeah. So... Which is a little different than the post process in the mirror because the mirror was shot. <laughs> the mirror was shot with the uh, Panasonic HVX two hundreds uh, with the um, uh, what do you call them? The little the, the discs, the uh, the hard drive. Oh, you did it on P two. The P two carts. And well, tell us about that. I, I'm very interested. I mean, are they? They're only like eight minutes long. Or they make longer ones now too, though. Yeah. They have forty-minute ones, I think. But the P two cards, we had to have somebody on the set that was a what was he called? What was his what was his title? Uh, he was, I don't know. He was like a, I don't know. I, basically, basically, we, we took the we we had we had a money for an assistant camera. And we took that and gave made this the P two guy and t- told the camera to pull his own focus. And that's what we did. <laughs> um, and the the but the P two cards were great because. You don't have the tape problem. You're just copying stuff over. I love that because I, I have so many problems with tape. Because when you're recapturing, for some reason, there's always problems with tape. You know, it's like it doesn't capture it again or there's some digital hit on the video. And it's, it's a pain in the neck to have tape. So I really do love P2 cards. We did shoot actually twice as much. We had twice, two, two cameras, of course, on, on the mirror. But we had twice as much footage as we did, did on Babysitter Wanted. And we shot... Probably in half the time, you know, we shot very quickly with two cameras. Did you shoot every scene with both cameras running? Almost every scene. Uh, there were some scenes that just didn't call for it, but yeah, yeah. And how how, how long was your sh- shooting schedule? Well, principal was really pretty short. Twelve days. Yeah, twelve days for principal, and then we another five, five, days, five, five, days of pickups, pickups. five days of pickups and additional scenes. So it, we shot very, very fast. Uh, and so it, it does have a little bit of a, of a looser feel, but not that much looser. I do try to plan things as much as possible. But you know what? It's a completely different movie. It was totally shot primarily movie. in one room, so yeah. you needed the two cameras because you needed the coverage. You needed the interesting angles. Right. You needed everything to be completely... The, the babysitter wanted is so many exteriors, so you have these big, wide, expansive shots you have the small room in the mirror, and it all—it almost all takes place in such a, a tight, closed location that you need interesting angles and so forth. So, Stephen. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm jiggling the keys and to look at me with. Stephen gets restless. I, you know, Stephen may just get up and leave because <laughs> that, whenever he starts getting restless, he just in the middle of a meeting he'll just leave yeah, so leave the room. I'm done. Everyone. But the other thing, the, the, the other thing that that we're really extremely lucky with is that. I mean, especially with the mirror, yes, and shooting digitally and having more footage and having to sit through everything. Steven's a brilliant editor. Yes, Steven. I mean, yeah. he is. Yes. 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 He knew exactly what he needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, certainly I don't come from editing. I've edited some things. I'm an okay editor. He's 
a freaking genius. So, so yeah. He seems to be taken. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very taken. <laughs> no, I, may, I may need him to look at my edit and give me some. Oh, I'll be glad um, to share. I just actual editing. My wife says, "Why can't you edit my short?" <laughs> <laughs> Karen, I gotta sleep. You don't, you don't know that you're married to the wonderful Karen Black. Oh yes, that's right. Right, yeah. maybe that's gonna um, get her on the show too. If we oh, now that yeah, we know Stephen so well, perhaps she'll be on the show too. I'm sure she will very soon. One thing I do want to bring up, which is um, really interesting because it's completely a different genre of film and it sort of uh, contradicts everything we're saying about discipline and so forth, is this Lightfield's home videos. Mm-hmm. Um, Lightfield Lewis made a, uh, um, has been shooting this film for years and years and years. And 20. 20 years. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, in any case, I can't. I don't even want to know how much footage he's been looking through. Oh. But what's interesting about what I've seen with that movie, and we were talking about happy accidents earlier, is that when you just have sort of no discipline, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> none whatsoever, and no boundaries, and it's all sort of free form. It's actually like almost like a happening more than it is anything planned then you do also create something very interesting, or you can. And if you have the time and energy to sit through the 7,000 hours of it, then you will come up with something like, and I'm going to liken it to a film I don't know if you guys have seen called Tarnation. Yeah, we know it very well. I know Jonathan's Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think Tarnation was a brilliant film. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in the same way, um, Lightfield's home videos may may be similar in in that way. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Lightfield's? Uh, Well, Stephen, you could talk about it. But Lightfield, I think his his discipline has gone in tremendously on this project as the time has gone on. Lightfield is somebody who's used to working as most artists are independent filmmakers by themselves. To become part of a group is sometimes scary for people because they don't know if they're going to fit in. They're, they like being in their own environment. But we are all independent filmmakers who got together, who all respect each other's space and creativity and quirks and um, other odd behaviors. <laughs> but, but Lightfield came into the group and he really became part of us and he put in a discipline that he had never done before. He was at the studio every day for almost two years and he was editing, and he got a great product. We have we had the the screening for his father, and Juliet Lewis, his sister, came in and so forth. We had this wonderful event in November, and he's very close to being complete with the project. He is now we've now started entering it into film festivals, so there is an end to this. It took some time. It took some Dave and I and Michael and Stephen. Uh, would you say not, not necessarily? Nudging, nudging, yeah. nudging <laughs> disciplining, coaxing. It, it took it took a lot of work, but it's 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 part of the process. You have to if you're a filmmaker, you need to make a film. You need to start your next one. There, you need to end this one and start the next one. And he's so talented, and there's so much he can do that we had to help build his confidence and and all the other things that we did through this process. It's, it was a process for us. It was a learning curve for, for all of us. But it is a very interesting project. Stephen could tell you a little bit more about it. Well, you see, I mean, it's, it's essentially a documentary. I mean, uh, even though it's, it's found footage of, of his own uh, home videos, 
I mean, what essentially what he's taking is, is transferring the writing process to the editing process, and that's really what it, what it is, and that's why it takes so long because it often takes a year or two to write a script, um, and so you know that's all those thoughts. Well, how am I going to how am I going to start this piece? What's the first act, and what's our and how am I going to get into the second act, and who are my main characters? All these things have to be decided looking at footage, which is a lot more difficult than using your imagination and, and your computer. Uh, word processor so he's going through and working doing the, the writing process and and uh, we have i i don't know how many hours it is but i do know that he's shooting in dv resolution and close to two terabytes of material which wow yeah it's a lot it's a, lot, a lot of material uh I, I don't know how many hundreds of hours it is i stopped counting because it's just too scary really <laughs> i don't know how he's whittling it down but it's he's using his own process i mean some of the stuff is uh, yeah, some of the some of the footage is all is already edited i mean a lot of it already is he had these little films that he made when he was a, a kid well, when he was like 11 or 12 he That's started right. making music yeah, videos yeah. and he used juliette lewis his sister a lot in these films when they were children um, he used Giovanni Ribisi. I saw. A, you a saw pieces of it a yeah. long, like five, six years ago. There's something. Oh, yeah. There's something on YouTube, right? Is there? He has something on yeah. YouTube. He has My a Space. MySpace page, mm-hmm. but stuff with back when Beck's younger and Leah Romini and Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba yeah. Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. And then the because I can say it now because the cat's out of the bag here with his father tribute because it's a tribute to his father, mm-hmm. and then he interviewed all because his father Jeffrey Lewis has done some of the most amazing films, character actor work mm-hmm. um, of our generation, our many gener- generations, With mm-hmm. uh, starting with Clint Eastwood and Mel Gibson and Jeff Bridges. He interviewed all of his old co-stars as a tribute to the... Fo- uh, so he has wow. all these interviews, um, Robert Redford and John Travolta, and all these people who have given tribute to Jeffrey in light- within Lightfield's home videos he made this a tribute to his father because his father bought him the first cam- his first camera. Because Lightfield needed to get interested in something growing up. He was not interested in anything. So his father bought him this old, what was it? It's, well, it wasn't old then. Well, yeah. it was 1982 VHS camera, video recorder. Lightfield was using up to a few years ago. <laughs> he was still using it. And he, <laughs> he um, but he got interested in filmmaking. And so he tributes this whole entire process of his filmmaking to his father. Wow. We're going to have yeah. to put some links onto his uh, MySpace page. Yeah, yeah that would be wonderful. Yeah. And you can put the links to the mirror because we have a nice mirror website. Absolutely. And we have a whole behind the scenes so people can see who all of us are. Oh, great. Oh, and Lightfield directed that. It's Lightfield. really, yeah, yeah you can see an example of this. The mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. I mean, I think that uh, Lightfield's appeal to, to, uh, you know, to young people is, is really, uh, there's, there's a great potential for it. And, and possibly even for some sort of internet marketing plan for his film. I don't know what that could be, but it, it's, he's got such unusual stuff in there. And, and it's, he's, he's, he was actually an early MySpacer. He started, he started when? Uh, about February of 2005? Or earlier, actually. 
Back in the day. Oh, uh, yes, the, the good old so days. I know, but that's the way these things are. For MySpacers, it's ancient history. He was like, the, he's one of the first MySpace guys. We're, one of, we're probably the oldest independent film podcast, and we've been yeah. doing it for a year. Apparently, that's wow. amazing. The word podcast right. is only about two years old. So. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of it. You guys talked yeah, about Yeah, I don't know. I think probably. I, I think that we're going to have to do our film bites. I think Justin's okay. arms are going to fall yeah. off. Probably yeah, I was going to go over going, how is this? This has been very, we, very... we got to use this guy on our next film. Because those are strong arms. <laughs> Justin is is also a very fine editor, and uh, he, uh, he has he his, has his own post production company. Does he? he does every everything in the post arena, color colorizing, oh. onlining, um, you know, yeah, it's called whatever sound. Teus Post. Did I pronounce it right? He did the first time. Think it and it is. So, think it and it is. <laughs> Tia. What's the spell? Tia. 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 Especially for crew members, and you're shooting away location. Make sure you define the terms of gas mileage. Are they going to get gas? Are they? If you're giving them per diem, do they also get working meals? These things may not seem like much, but when it comes to the end of the day, and you have 40 of these diem memos that people started writing things in and think they're going to get at the end of it, this you have to have it defined from the very beginning. Even though you think you have a really strong deal memo and everything signed off on. Make sure that the understanding is from day one very clear. Where do you get a deal memo like that? Uh, where did we get our deal memos? Gosh, um, you can find I them know online. earlier productions. Just do a or search. Earlier productions. Yeah. And you know, Film Independent has great stuff. Yeah. Film Independent has all of this stuff. The producer series they do, they have all of this information. Uh, my other adage would be: if it smells now, it's going to stink in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Because you have one little tiny, you see you're in a meeting, everybody's friendly in the beginning, development, so forth. You see a little smelly thing happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? Oh, just like a little tiny, a personality stinker, so to speak. (laughs) And and you you could feel it, it's like it rubs you the wrong way and you maybe don't say anything. I'm telling you, that is going to expose itself into the worst, ugliest monster by the time you're into the second week of filming. And it's just trust that. A little tiny red flag, do not deny in your mind what it is because it is going to be a huge red flag and you have to just know this. And it's better to either handle it right then and there and see if if it can be handled because if it can't, don't work with that person and don't make that project and save yourself the time and effort and go to something else. So you have to remember you'd be living with these people for six to eight weeks. So if you or sense, or longer. Yeah. Well, not to and, mention, when you work yeah. on a film, you'll be working on that, you'll be seeing that film over and over again mm-hmm. for at least two years. Reminded. And it's yeah. also, especially in this little red flag situations, which you, again, it's been trial and error. We had to learn these things by, by going through them. Um, Making a movie, for the most part, yes, it's a wonderful process, it's incredible. It is also the most stressful experience that a person can have. 
and it's the, and the hours and the and the, the the money concerns and just the day. I mean, the daylight. <laughs> I mean, you you know, there's there's if you have to get certain shots done in time, and if you're outside shooting, and if that sun goes down, you're dead. You're dead. I mean, so with that intense pressure, it's pressure cooker. So if if people aren't pretty much a family or learning to become a family quickly, those one or two bad apples just. Things just like you said, they just—it's like a blister, it just gets exposed, and it causes huge, huge problems. But that's not—that's her soundbite. I'm a film bite. Mine, two—they're both kind of related. Um, is if you are going, and this has to do with the mirror, um, but any film, real fast. We shot most of the mirror in a in a warehouse in downtown Los Angeles, and you know we got a great, great, great deal. I mean, like it was, but it was. Basically, and I'm going to curse now, the shittiest looking warehouse, the smelliest, I mean, rats in the basement, not rats just in the basement, rats, oh yeah, it was, you know, there's a person living in the basement, and, and you know, <laughs> the and guy there was water Okay, my, but we went down there, and we're like, alright, you know what, we'll bite the bullet, it's still a great, we could build a great set here, and the few times we went there to check it out, and we were checking out a few different places that were within our budget, you know, we couldn't go to Raleigh and a soundstage. We just couldn't afford it um, for the budget of the film. So, but every time we went to call the guy and meet the guy, it was around 11. It was around 1 p.m. Okay, he finally. He was never available. He purposely yeah. waited at yeah, those so, times. He no, purposely waited. Well, let's found it later. Because, yeah. So finally, we, we closed the deal. We're going down there. I got, you know, our crew down there. We're building this set. And all of a sudden, it's around 6 o'clock on a Thursday. And I'm, I walk into the building and... And the wall, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, no. And there are... Stereo? It's music. Band? There are three bars oh. <laughs> sharing a wall with the building. Sharing the common wall with the building. And literally, these bars would go off at 6 o'clock at night. And then, but also on the weekends, it started at 1 o'clock. So... We, I mean, we had to deal with them. We had to, you know, and just, and honestly, they were, they were, you know, they're Hispanic bar. You know, the clients were mostly Hispanic. So literally, we would be filming, and I had to basically make a deal with the, the guys that ran the bars. So, and before takes, when we were shooting, when we were about to shoot, I'd have to call the bars and go, no musica, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> and they would unplug the jukebox. Well, that was <laughs> but, but sometimes, but about, but about 15% of the time, they didn't. <laughs> so I guess the film buddies thoroughly check out your locations. At all times. At all times. It's, it's like you're buying a house. Go there at night. Go there in the morning. You know, ask questions. Walk around the neighborhood and find out all the information. Because once you're there and the money is spent, you are in trouble. So there's there you go. So there's my likely film light. That's that's a very very important one. Yeah. Oh, here's another. Here's my film bite. Be careful of shooting a film that has a lot of night exteriors, because you will be spending a long time shooting at night, and it's a really arduous process. Because you have to remember that uh, a, sh- a shoot day is 12 hours. So if there are night scenes, you'll be shooting 12 hours at night. You'll be starting at 4 or 5 or 6 in the afternoon and shooting till 5 in the morning. And that's the deal. So watch out. Rewrite your script and only have the necessary 
night scenes. Do not have it all take place at night unless you really want to do it. And if you're doing a night shoot, shoot it in the summertime, <laughs> not in the wintertime <laughs> when it gets 30 degrees below. And you're... <laughs> Not 30 degrees below. We oh, wouldn't be alive please. then. Darn, Depending on where you're shooting. Worse. It was... It was 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Zero Celsius. A babysitter. It's it's a horror film and a lot of it takes place outside. So Three weeks. Three weeks of night shoots. <laughs> about 25 degrees. And Steven became a big fan of Walmart. Yes. Well, they had warmers. Yeah. Boy, it's like Walmart this podcast everywhere. was brought to you by Walmart. It <laughs> 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 was not. No, no, let's be careful there. All right, Dave. Dave, Dave you have one? I guess just a quick, simple one. While you have your actors and crew on set, make sure you get everyone to sign their contracts. Because that is the easy time to have it done. You have a tendency not to want to deal with that when you're shooting. But it's much more difficult to track these people down after. So get the contracts signed. That's my advice. Great. I like it. Okay, we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, if you have any questions for us or for Big Screen Entertainment, please email me at joel at fatfreefilm.com. And we want to thank you guys for thank joining you. us today. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Stephen, for staying in your well, seat. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, we will see you. And everybody, you know, link up to their films. We're going to put little links for you and keep your eye peeled for their projects. Thank you guys thank very you. much. Thank you guys. Thanks, Joel. Thank this is great. Lot. That was wonderful.